0: No necessary. Boy, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and website for details.
2: But Obama wants to don't own the word fair and the phrase middle class. And yet, who has done more destruction to working people in this
3: country than Obama?
0: Why isn't it proper to point out the Democrat base is made up, for the most part, of the nation's
3: losers?
4: Free enterprise can do a better job of producing the things that people need than government can. Less government and less taxes and more freedom for the people.
1: Iran, Cuba... Venezuela, these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union.: from the flag. Never
5: give up the to On this
1: take the Memorial Day me. As our nation honors its unbroken line how of how fallen, I and I see many of them in, in the audience here today.
5: The, bullshit, I see the kids to fight. I'm like- not
0: I've been in fifty my i from me. Seven I want to spend
5: my country from
6: me. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!
2: Good evening folks. <clears throat> Welcome to another fun-filled evening of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Today's date... Wow, time is really flying. Today's date is March 5th already. 2012 A.D. Beautiful old town, Alexandria, United States of America Planet Earth Third planet from the sun Oh man Let's get this party started Some have said That this election Is The most important election In history The most important election Of our time in July 1864 as President Abraham Lincoln prepared to run for a second term against George General George B. McClellan, the New York Times editorialized that we have had many elections oh, – and I quote, we have had many elections, many important elections, but never one so important as that now approaching. We're going to take a short break, then we'll come back, and we'll wrap this part of the show. We're going to talk about the most important election of our time. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C Robert Jones
0: Situation Report. Do you know how much is too much?
1: Hit me again.
0: Do you know when to say when?
1: Pelosi's coming over. Uh make it a double
0: studies show that those who overindulge exhibit signs of arrogance. I don't count, drinks because I'm the president. Overconfidence. This is the day we stop the seas from rising. Or was it yesterday? The inability to think clearly on one's own. Where, where's my teleprompter?
1: I, I gotta talk to those kindergarten kids.
0: You think you're funny, but no one else does.
1: Let's give the Dalai Lama a, a set of cufflinks and send him out the back door.
0: Uh, Mr. President, let, let's, don't, let's don't do that. Huh? And a profound inability to listen to others.
1: Rama's funny. You don't know funny. If a
0: friend, relative... Or leader of the free world exhibits any of these warning signs, don't let them drive, operate heavy machinery, or sign any important documents.
1: Where, where, where's that health care
0: bill? And consider moderating their alcohol intake before it's too late. Why are gas prices going higher and higher? Ask George Bush's best friend. Big Oil. Big Oil. <laughs> Big Oil kept U.S. oil reserves and Anwar off limits by paying off the Caribou Lobby. Big Oil. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. Ethanol. And who, in 1979, along with the cardigan sweater cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Jimmy Carter. Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. Profits. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore... Anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton.
2: All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I had to gather myself. (laughs) And before we could proceed, you know, the... The Civil War... The Civil War had been raging for three years. And... They seemed to be at a stalemate at one point, and Lincoln was was for fighting on until, until victory, until until the battle was won, till the war was won, regardless of the cost. But McClellan supported compromise and negotiation to end the bloodless conflict, the bloodiest conflict in American history. As everybody knows, Lincoln won the election, and the Union soon won the war. And McClellan's reputation never recovered. So the expression, the most important election in history, where did it come from? Well, it came from that election, the most important election in history. Had McClellan won, chances are a lot of black folks would have been slaves for a lot longer but how do they repay the Republican Party? By voting Democrat, which is basically what McClellan was. The expression, the most important election in history, achieved immortality with the 1864 election. Think about it. Any of you who are out there Who happened to be black? Think about. Think about the ramifications of George McClellan winning the presidency over Abraham Lincoln in 1864. Senator John McCain told an interviewer in 2006 politicians go around and say this is the most important election in history. As the, Republic, the republic's history lengthens the phrase often muted into the most important election in our lifetime or in a century. Still in all its forms, it proves remarkably resistant to irony or desertion. In 1988, when George H.W. W. Bush ran against Michael Dukakis, the already venerable Senator Robert C. Byrd declared, It may be the most important election of this century. Has the word no meaning anymore? Well, let's fast forward to this time. Where we are right now. Is this, this upcoming election, the most important election of our lifetime? Is this the most important election of our lifetime? If it is, then for conservatives like me, it will have been the very first for someone my age. Some say that Obama has already lost and that he doesn't even know it. Barack Obama is a lame duck president. I believe that. He's a lame duck already. But he probably doesn't realize it since he is surrounded by leftist zealots who insulate him from any contrary opinions and shielded by the partisan mainstream media, Obama's popularity began falling right after the right after his election, and the percentage disapproving have exceeded those approving steadily since two thousand nine Each and every voting block that supported him in two thousand eight have eroded by at least 10 points, even the so-called African-American voters, with independents and young voters dropping by over 30 points, approval uh, on major issues, economy, budget, deficit, employment, all have eroded. With disapproval, exceeding approval ratings across the board, Despite approval ratings, however, lower than any president in recent history, the media push polls are trying to sell us the idea that Obama is well liked and has a good chance to be reelected, meanwhile, ignoring any and all facts that do not support their partisan message. The good news is that there has been a mass awakening. A mass awakening of the American people. Those of us who now realize that the mainstream media has a decided leftist tilt, that media polls can no longer be trusted. Meanwhile, Democrats want us to believe that Obama has been a tremendous success. Tremendous. He's been fantastic. He's the smartest man in the room. He has promised to redistribute our wealth, and he's begun to do just that. He promised to transform our health care system, and he passed Obamacare. He promised that his energy policies would dramatically increase energy costs, and they have. He promised to appoint justices who think like he does to the Supreme Court, and he has. He promised to pull American troops out of Iraq, regardless of the situation on the ground, and he's done that. He's made many promises that he's trying to keep. But we just didn't listen closely enough, or didn't believe that he meant what he said. Now that American voters have finally woken up, their opinion is that they don't like the country's new direction and would like to repeal much of what Obama has done. Is this the most important election of our time? The call-in number is 347-884-8500. And you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. There's been a running debate about whether we're whether we're in a genuine economic recovery and how strong that recovery is. At the two-year mark, when every other post-war recession has been over or nearly over, this one is now just bottoming out. In other efforts to improve the economy, Obama has nationalized two car companies, and exerted unprecedented control over financial institutions with continued fear over the nationalization of banks. No new bank has opened within the last three years. Not one. And he is in the midst of nationalizing medicine and education. The administration has proved to have manipulated the unemployment rate to show progress. But Obama's people have all the while ignore the millions the millions that have given up hope and dropped out completely from the unemployment market i know quite a few of those folks myself obama meanwhile has been depending on the economic the economy to 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 make uh to make its normal natural v-shaped recovery into A U-shaped recovery while doing everything he can to undermine and suppress that recovery. The economic crisis was caused in large part by excessive debt. So, So in a big part, the solution should be to increase savings and pay down debt. Such as what you and I would do in our own homes. Instead, Obama and congressional Democrats rapidly increased government debt with a giant stimulus bill. But the good news, folks, is that we've seen all of this before. Huey P. Newton. Redistribute wealth. That's what Newton was all about. For him, it was about distributing other people's money putting a cap on those who who were millionaires. For example, Newton designed to put a cap on any millionaire, and that cap would be $5 million. He suggested that you could only live in one house, and if you had more than one, you you should be forced by the government to give it up. He wanted to nationalize the auto industry, such as it was at the time. He wanted to nationalize the oil and gas industry. He wanted to shut down rival newspapers who, well, who didn't tell the party line. He made an effort to tax any newspaper 15% of their advertising revenue if they did not agree with his policies. Share the wealth. Every man a king. So we've seen this before. Even President Roosevelt, as liberal and as left-leaning as he was, disagreed with Newton's theories, if you will. Share the wealth. Spread it around. Every man a king. This is what Obama believes. America didn't go for it then, and they're not going to go for it now. So, once again I ask, is this the most important election of our time? Well, while we ponder that, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
4: Long believed a speaker needed to entertain to be effective. All of his speeches are marked with humor, colorful language, and a forceful delivery. Long would occasionally hold press conferences in his pajamas. He never wrote speeches ahead of time, believing that notes made his delivery stale. He could tailor his speeches to any audience, having an almost intuitive understanding of appropriate language. In an instant, Long could switch from crude barnyard talk to religious homily. Journalists loved to quote him, and radio stations would compete to offer airtime. His message was simple America must redistribute its wealth. To promote this idea, Long started a grassroots campaign. This effort was not to be taken lightly. By 1935, over seven million people had signed up, and nearly 20,000 new members were joining daily. Just before the end of the fall session of Congress, Long spoke to a group of staff members on Capitol Hill
6: to the tables which we have assembled, it is our estimate that 4% of the American people own 85% of the wealth of America, and that over 70% of the people of America don't own enough to pay the debts that they own. How many men ever went to a barbecue? And would we'll let one man take off the table what's intended for nine tenths of the people to eat. The only way you'll ever be able to feed the balance of the people is to make that man come back and bring back some of that grub he ain't got no business with. Now, how are you going to feed the balance of the people? What's Morgan and Baruch and Rockefeller and Mellon going to do with all that grub? They can't eat it. They can't wear the clothes, they can't live in the house. Give them a yacht! Give them a palace! Send them to Reno and give them a new wife when they want it. That's what they want. But when they've got everything on the God's living earth that they can eat and they can wear and they can live in, and all that their children can live in and wear and eat and all that children's children can use. Then we got to call Mr. Morgan and Mr. Mellon and Mr. Rockefeller back and say, come back here. Well, that stuff back on this table here that you took away from here that you don't need. Leave something else for the American people to consume. And that's the problem. We're not going to destroy the Gulf Refining Company. We're not going to destroy the Standard Oil Company, but we're going to say that the limit of any one-man stock ownership in the Standard Oil Company is from three to five million dollars to that individual, and that the balance of the people of America own the balance of what the Standard Oil Company's worth. All right. Then, We start from the bottom that the 25 or more million American families shall have a homestead, a home, and the comforts of a home, including an automobile and a radio, the things it takes in that house to live on. We say to America, 125 million None shall be too big, none shall be too poor, none shall work too much, none shall be idle, no luxurious mansions empty, none walking the streets, none in poverty, none in pestle, none in want, but in the land blessed by the smile of the Creator. With everything to be consumed, to be eaten, to be worn, that America will become a land sharing the fruits of the land, not for the favored few, not to satisfy greed, but that all may live in a land in which the Lord has provided an abundance sufficient for the luxury and convenience of the people in general. I think.
4: Long recognized that his plan had faults when told that confiscating funds from American millionaires would provide less than $1.50 for each poor family. Long replied, well, when they figure that out, I'll have something new for them. Besides, he continued, there are 20 million votes in that.
2: And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. And therein lies the fallacy of the share the wealth or wealth redistribution. Huey Long knew that his share the wealth, spread the wealth, every man a king policy had serious failings, that it wouldn't work. He knew it. But it was a really good selling point, wasn't it? Because Huey P. Newton was revered in Louisiana even up to the point where he drove the country into bankruptcy and had to do what? That's right, tax, 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 and more tax, just to get the get the state to the point where it did not falter into bankruptcy. You see, every man a king means no man is a king. Share the wealth, spread the wealth. Even today, it holds true that if we taxed every millionaire and billionaire 100% that it wouldn't make a dent in our national debt, which is staggering compared to the way it was back in 1933 and 34. Least of all, provide a home a car, and a big screen TV to replace the radio that Huey wanted to give everyone. Yet we have our modern day Huey P. Newton in President Barack Hussein Obama who is saying that we should spread the wealth. That every man should be a king. That we should redistribute the nation's wealth From the millionaires and billionaires to the middle class. Folks, I submit to you as a professional, as a trained historian, a credentialed historian, whose bona fides are clear that there is nothing new under the sun. We've seen Barack Hussein Obama before in the form of Huey P. Newton. What was the last line of what you heard, the audio? As soon as they'll figure that out, that I'm full of crap, I'll have something new for them. Besides, there's 20 million votes in that crap I just spewed. And that's what Obama thinks to you. This president knows that he's in trouble, so he's given up leading the country. And is now focused solely on campaigning for re-election. Obama has little chance of winning in November. But this does not stop the mainstream media from selling the message that he has a chance. Fortunately for them, many voters are uninformed and can still be influenced by the constant media spin. Every man a king. Share the well. Spread the well. Those millionaires and billionaires can have their fine homes and their fancy cars and, and yes, they can fly their corporate jets. They'll just have to pay a little more, the president said. They'll just have to pay a little more. We have a caller on the line on the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Caller, you're on.
7: Hey, what's up? Uh, I'd like to make the argument that we are all kings, if you would allow me to do so. Please do. All right. We're all uh, kings in the fact that we're all sovereign, or we're supposed to be, under the Constitution in the the way that I can say whatever I want. As long as I'm not hurting you, then nobody can do anything to me about that, or they shouldn't be able to. And I should have a right to my home, the property that I accumulate, and uh, have the right to defend it. So on so forth,
2: I agree. I agree in that respect. The framers of the Constitution have spoken clearly every man a king, but every man a king at the expense of another man is certainly not what they envisioned.
7: Well, that's death. yeah, I and can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt somebody else. To me. Uh, the entire system in, in itself is if I'm voting for someone, then I'm forcing that that person's views on everybody that's not voting for that man. Now, with that being said, I do think that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And uh, if we don't do something to end the Federal Reserve System, then we're just – our economy is done. There's, you can't go anywhere from here but down.
2: And you're exactly right. I was reading a book – and watching – actually, I was watching a um, a, uh, a documentary the other day. Despite the name Federal Reserve, despite the fact that it's right on Constitution Avenue, right down the road from here, it's not part of the government. It has very little to do with the government. You can find it in the phone book if you, there are phone books even being used these days. Sure. It's not even. I mean, when when we talk about the Fed, and and I'm right. I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this at at one point in my life. I always assumed that this was some uh, an entity that was run by the government, that was uh, part of the government, and it isn't.
7: That's what and they want you to think.
2: It, you're exactly right, and it was created, not for the purposes Is that that we've all been led to believe.
7: Right. It was created to uh, allow them an elastic money supply so that they could go and get into these wars without having to raise taxes.
2: Well, you're exactly right, and it serves to actually control the government. It's this, it's it's more like a, a shadow entity behind uh, the government and the president.
5: Yeah. You know,
2: the the purse strings are not controlled by Congress. Not they're, not, they're not controlled by the president. They're controlled by the Fed, the Federal Reserve System, which has nothing to do with the government. It, well, it's, it's a coming group of up bankers.
7: on its, it. It was established in 1913, so it's mm-hmm. coming up on its hundred-year anniversary, and I just hope it doesn't make it. But the only way that's going to happen is if we elect Ron Paul.
2: You're exactly right. You know, Ron Paul is a decrepit old man who should be retired by now. Right, but the, but the guy makes so much sense.
7: Well, he can run like six miles or something. So
2: no, well, I'm 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 being facetious. He <laughs>
7: he, he
2: makes so much sense. Right, if, if only he was, um, if if he were taken in, uh, for the for the man that he is. Now, some of his views in terms of foreign policy, I couldn't I couldn't agree with. I mean, I, I can't agree with it at all. But as it relates to uh, the constitution of, of this great country, this once great country, and his policies here in the here and now of this country, I couldn't agree with I couldn't agree more with everything he has to say.
7: Right, and I think that's a, a bit more important than the, than the foreign policy. I mean, if we don't have well, right now the way it stands, we don't have the money to be fighting any war of any kind. So I mean I, I don't know how they expect to fund uh, World War Three against Iran and China and and North Korea and all those people. Uh, I don't see how it's going to work out.
2: I don't I don't see how it's going to work out. I don't think we can afford very much at all in this country anymore. You know I I remember watching uh, the movie Casino Royale uh where uh Felix Leiter, the C Leiter, Leiter, the CIA um operative who was at the casino tables, uh he agreed to to finance uh bonds.
3: Right, Bank,
7: uh, bankroll, him, yeah. bankroll him.
2: And then his line was uh I think uh Bond said something to the effect he what if I lose and um and uh, Leiter smirked and and and, and slyly said, Do you think we need the money? <laughs> And yes, we do. Yeah, that,
7: definitely.
2: <laughs> yeah, we can't afford to lose that kind of bread, just like a bond couldn't afford to lose it for his country. Now, this country is what 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 amazes me is that uh, the the people in Congress, both the Senate and the House, appear to be educated people, uh, people with uh, some modicum of intellect, yet. This country is going off a financial cliff, and for the most part, the conservatives are unable to stop the Democrats from continuing to spend money we don't have. It seems to be common, basic sense, com- common sense, we don't have the money anymore, and taxing the wealthy won't help us.
7: Well, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, taxing the wealthy is not going to help us, but uh Nobody but Ron Paul seems to have anything to say about this Federal Reserve System, and that's really, from my perspective, I just see that my dollars are buying me less and less and less constantly. They don't retain their value. You know, I'm a younger guy. I don't want to be in this system if it's going to be like that.
2: You know, I think that, Given that the Federal Reserve System has been around for so long, it's going to be very difficult to get rid of it.
7: Yeah, amen to that.
2: And unless we, unless Ron Paul somehow miraculously winds up with the nomination and becomes president of the United States, the Federal Reserve System isn't going anywhere.
7: Well, listen to this argument, though. Um, I think that his supporters are pretty diehard. I think it would be dumb for the Republicans to not nominate him because they're just going to ride in Ron Paul and, and give the election over to Obama.
2: I don't know about that. You know, there's a, the 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 consensus is that the American people are beginning to see through uh President Obama and his redistribution of wealth um uh theory. Just like uh at one point, you know, at some point Huey Long um you know, people began to understand that he was simply conning them that there was no way redistributing wealth was gonna help anybody because there wasn't enough wealth to redistribute and make it to make it make things better for anyone. You know, what we have in this president president is, and in this administration is Huey Long all over again. And uh, yes, he paved the roads, he bought school books for children. He 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 built uh, he built an infrastructure in Louisiana, and he did very well in a lot of areas. But he did so by taxing businesses to the point where they left the state of Louisiana, and the state wound up going very nearly into bankruptcy.
5: Okay. And
2: it took it took 20 years for that state to recover after Huey Long left because he spent all the money that they were taking in and money they didn't have, floating bonds and such. What we had with Huey Long and the state of Louisiana is is a, is is a is a is a a small vision of what we of what this country has, has come into. We're leaning more and more towards insolvency and what's gonna happen is, you know, I I, 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 I don't wish the president any harm whatsoever. None. Not, not 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 like what happened to Huey Long but I would like him to go home before okay. it's too late because Huey Long checked out at the right time because that that state of Louisiana was on the cliff so
7: well, here's man, my, what, go ahead my argument is my argument is if, if it's going to be too late if we don't get rid of the federal reserve so I'm not throwing my vote to anyone other than Ron Paul. I mean, that's just how I feel, I guess.
2: Well, wait a minute now. What happens if Ron Paul doesn't make it? Who are you going to vote for?
7: I'm writing it in, baby.
2: Well, I I think that's a, that's a wasted vote. What happens if uh, – how about Santorum?
7: Oh, definitely not. He wants uh, – what's he want to do? Well, he wants to regulate what I want in the bedroom. That's what he wants
2: to do. And how do you think that? Why do you think that?
7: Uh, just from what he's talking about, what I've seen on the news. I mean, I guess I don't really know.
2: All right. So uh, we 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 like what Ron Paul wants to do with regard to uh, the Constitution and adhering strictly to the Constitution, which I agree with, by the way.
7: Okay. Right.
2: But Santorum is slightly more attractive in terms of electability. And yeah, Romney sure. and Romney is even more so in terms of electability. We have a very weak field here. He, he, my 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 23-year-old son who's here visiting uh from the Marine Corps suggested that we may have to suffer Obama for another 4 years because of the weak Republican field. And you know he's a uh, he, he he's an independent so you know i agree that we don't have uh not the three of them together if we could put the three of them together and make one guy you know one candidate we'd have the perfect candidate right but but since we don't have that there's no ronald reagan coming out of the coming out to save the day on a white horse he's gone you know and uh you know, if we had a Ronald Reagan type, then we could get this country back on track in no time. But Ronald Reagan isn't coming back. We don't have a candidate who even comes close to him. So we're going to have to pick somebody. Or we will wind up once again with Barack Obama for another four years. And then we're pretty much done. Because he'll get some things done. That, but but our country will suffer to the point where we won't be able to recover. And 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 you know the only and, and 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 you know ironically, ironically to your point, if we suffer four more years of Barack Obama, the only candidate out of the three of these clowns would be Ron Paul. He would be the only one who could bring us out of the spiral. Because he would wipe the slate clean. What? He would he would wipe the slate clean. He would fire everybody. Newt Newt too. Newt Newt would do. And he would he would write the ship. Newt doesn't have Newt doesn't have um, gravitas. Well he has gravitas, but he doesn't have um he, he doesn't have that certain something. He doesn't have he doesn't he's not charismatic. Yeah. And I and I think that you need to be you – know, the candidate needs to be charismatic in order to get people to come to you and listen to you talk.
7: Well, I don't I think, know, man, because we're talking about this awakening, and I'm thinking that, I mean, maybe they're ready for the Ron Paul. I mean, maybe they're ready for someone who's actually just talking sense about the issues instead of getting sidetracked and all this, put my dog on top of my car, you know, talking about birth control pills and all of that. Let's just put that aside. Don't have time, you know.
2: Well, yeah, and I understand exactly what you what, what where you're going with it. But the thing is, Ron Paul has issues with regard to his foreign policy. His foreign policies sound just a bit anti-Semitic, and they 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 don't come across well. And I think that's going to hamper him. Now the, uh, uh, the the documentary I was watching is called The Money Masters, and in the documentary The Money Masters, it dictates how the Federal Reserve System came into play and how it affects this great nation in terms of our politics. So uh, I recommend going to I, I guess if you have Netflix or, or or some some one of those programs, you can get it on demand. It is a great. Great documentary, and it documents step-by-step step how uh, our mon- monetary system evolved with the Federal Reserve System and how this shadow group of men are controlling basically the world economy through the yeah. Fed, the Federal Reserve System.
7: Oh, all right, man. That's cool. I'll, I'll give that a check. Uh, I'm at work here, so I'm going to go get some work done, but I'll well, be listening in.
2: Hey, I appreciate the call in. Thank you so much. Yeah, right, have a buddy. great evening. Okay. All right. All right, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Report?
3: Yeah. Why is Ayn Rand's great novel, Atlas Shrugged, a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison the mild-mannered Southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy, by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There are so many other Rand heroes in our midst, There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it, and I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real life Rand villains in our book, too, the parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the U.S. housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how.
0: higher and higher. Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big Oil. Ethanol. And who, in 1979, along with the cardigan-sweater cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big Oil. Jimmy Big Oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. Profits. So get angry at George Bush and Big Oil and ignore... Anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Mm,
5: mm, mm. Barack Hussein Obama. He's blaming Bush, he'll do it again, even though it's wearing thin. Mm, mm, mm. Barack Hussein Obama.
1: Ever? That's what I'll say If anything starts going wrong People start pointing my way Everything is flush as fall Every day If it gets too cold or hot The traffic's bad on the free There is none so blind as he who will not see mm-hmm, That I've still got to clean up the mess that George Bush left for me Trusting me to put it all back together, everything that he destroyed.
2: With the C Robert Jones situation report, the call in numbers three four seven eight eight four eighty five hundred. You know uh the vetting part one. Barack's love song to Solinsky. Prior to his passing, Andrew Breitbart said that the mission of the Breitbart Empire was to exemplify The free and fearless press that our Constitution protects, but which increasingly the mainstream media denies us. So on Breitbart.com, Breitbart has fulfilled posthumously, he fulfilled his promise to put his message out there and to tell us who and what Barack Obama really is. He promised to blow the lid off this campaign and destroy any viable chance that Barack Obama has for re-election. And he is fulfilling that through his his family and through his friends, through the people who work for him and with him. I urge you to visit Breitbart.com, big government, and see what he has to offer. The audacity of hope. In the audacity of hope, Barack Obama claims that he worried after 9-11 that his name, so similar to that of Osama bin Laden, might harm his political career. But Obama was not always so worried about misspellings and radical resemblances. He may even have cultivated them as he cast himself as a Chicago radical champion. That's just a little bit of what you can expect by visiting Breitbart.com Part 1 The Vetting Barack's Love Song to Solinsky. Melinda's in the House Ben Solomon Ned King Alexander Solo Blog Talk Casanova Frankenstein My Main Man Evil Clown Southern Sense Patriot Greg, John Galt. Hopefully, sometime this week, we'll get into what Andrew Breitbart has uncovered in part one. I know that a lot of blog talk hosts, a lot of radio hosts, and personalities will get into this sometime this week. I hope to get into it myself after tomorrow, Super Tuesday. Breakdown I'll be here tomorrow night From 8 until 9 With my take on Super Tuesday hope you'll join me I know that Southern Sense, Tesla, And a lot of the other Blog Talk hosts Will be discussing And breaking down Minutely, bit by bit With wit, wisdom and humor Super Tuesday So join those guys too And I'll be here to put my two cents in, I was going to go from seven until nine, but I just don't think I can talk that long, quite frankly. So I'm just going to go ahead from eight until from eight until nine with my take on Super Tuesday. I know uh, you know it, it's going to be an exciting night for a lot of us conservatives because uh, on that night we will get a much clearer picture of who we will be um, uh, putting out front to challenge Barack Obama. Well, we love you too. Uh, I love you too, Melinda. Even though Tesla thinks you're a dude, I don't think so. All right. Solowinski is back. The Terrapin Theater proudly presents the world premiere of the love song of Saul Alinsky with Barack Obama as co-chair and co-host and all kinds of stuff. I don't want to get into it tonight, but I did want to promote it so that some of my blog talk um, peers can jump on it, as I know they will, and uh, give you some idea of what we're going to talk about later on in the week. Because right now, Super Tuesday is taking, is taking up all the available time. Because I asked the question at the beginning of the show, is this the most important election of our lifetime? And I got the idea from the American Thinker in an article written by Bruce Walker. The most important election of our time. And as I indicated earlier on, some thought that – some believe, and, and believe still, that the election of 1864 between President Abraham Lincoln and General McClellan was a pivotal point, was the most important election of our lifetime at that time and for many years to come. But now there's so much more at stake. Not just North versus South. Not just the division of a country, but indeed the survival of this country as we know it. To be fundamentally transformed into something almost unrecognizable. We need to halt the fundamental transformation of this great nation. And to halt that transformation, we need to send Barack Hussein Obama packing. Bye. Good night. Sweet Prince. All right. So you got to help me. You got to help me keep the devil way down in the hole. Tomorrow night, Super Tuesday, Tesla, Southern Sense, G-Ski, GGT, it's all going to be going down. Oh, and me. GGT and me. Have a good night, folks. Thank you for listening back tomorrow night. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Out.
5: When you walk to the garden You gotta watch your back Well I beg your pardon Walk the straight and narrow trail If you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil who ain't down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. Where you don't have to worry. If you hold on to Jesus' hand, we'll all be safe from Satan. The road, we just gotta keep the devil. Wait So cold, you gotta help me keep the devil way down. Devil.